Hello, once again, and thank you for joining us at the Dice Are Screaming podcast with co-hosts Mike, myself, and Randy, me. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, we wanted to discuss traps this week, uh, both old school, new school, indoor, outdoor. But first, a couple of shout-outs. Uh, Larry Hamilton of Follow Me and Die podcast. Make sure you check that guy out. Pretty freaking awesome. And uh, make sure that also the others see Thorin at his wonderful dice or podcast. The name escapes me right now. Forgive. And also uh, Gothridge Manor. Make sure oh. those guys are giving us plenty of love. Make sure you return the love. Follow oh, yeah. them and uh, like. Give them some applause. Uh, we're going to be doing some probably shout outs here in the coming weeks. Uh, Making some calls to those guys, so hopefully they feature us. But uh, in the meantime, hope you had a good Labor Day. Boy, it's hot here in Michigan. Yeah, a couple of hoppets just threw a ring into my backyard. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been that kind of steamy oh, season Oh, C. Thorin. I got it. I just came to me now. Playing it wrong. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Thorin. <laughs> uh, playing it wrong, which... Uh, also, I gotta say, uh, having worked, I have not worked my way through his entire backlog yet. Yeah. Uh, but these are some terrific uh, discussions of you know very much the the same topics that we enjoy most here at uh, the Dicer Screaming. Uh, it, it's hitting exactly the same chords, man. I love it. Yeah. And you know, make sure you help out with uh, the app. You can download it. Uh, Anchor at any of your normal sites, and uh, you, know, you can go ahead and leave a message. Tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong. Well, we like to hear what we're doing wrong. We do it wrong all the time. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we know another way. Yeah. Uh, if we can lay claim to any wisdom at all, it's mostly by virtue of having done everything that doesn't work first. Uh, and then we're left with uh, whatever's left over after that <laughs> is theoretically success. <laughs> um, <laughs> the School of Hard Knocks is the best teacher. And that is a perfect segue into the subject of traps. <laughs> traps. Old and new. All right, Admiral Akbar, we got to get that out of the way right know. now. It's a trap. Uh, <laughs> um, the trap is a classic mechanism of almost all game systems, uh, be it high fantasy, low fantasy, uh, science fiction, uh, cyberpunk, you know, post apocalypse. It doesn't seem to matter. Uh, the same concept of it's not just creatures that are a danger to you, but terrain and uh, you know the ill intentions of others in the form of pitfalls, snares, lures, uh, you know, of course, also illusions and general sneakiness. And these are a DM's toolkit. Uh, you have every right to them. Savor them. They are your best friends because. No offense to the original classic pit trap, but an innovative and well-designed cunning trap that people didn't see coming is pretty exciting. That's right, because traps engage the players in ways to make them cautious and use up time and resources. And time spent looking for traps and sussing them out, disarming them, are times for wandering encounters to creep in, also keeping players on their toes because they can just not 
wander through the adventure completely unhindered, choosing their own times and places to attack, but it keeps the players off guard and makes them very cautious about just simply rushing in, which is what you want to create tension and inspire a dramatic outcome to any encounter. And not all traps are 100% lethal. You know, not all of them break bones or uh, poison you. Some of them can obviously, like the illusions, disguise treasure. <laughs> and classic monsters like the Mimic and oh, the Trapper. Yeah, we, we owe, I owe a lot of mileage to the Mimic because, look, everybody uses the treasure chest. Uh, you know, it, it's so old that, uh, you know, it, it dates back to the dawn of gaming. You know, like, well, the treasure chest suddenly rears up and punches you right in the face. Uh, that's old hat. Uh, you know, getting a mimic that it's the table. Uh, oh no, this time it's the chair. Yep. Well, this time it looks like a simple wall hanging, you know. Uh, You'll never look at normal furniture the same way again. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can inspire dread and horror in uh, player characters. I'm not sure I want to touch that uh, bed stand. I mean, you know, that, that drawer looks like it's half open and I see something glinting in there, but I'm not sure if it's... Uh, you know, some spilled gold pieces or, like, the hate-filled eyes of the Mimic that punched me out like that last one. Uh. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's also a variety of other things, too. Um, the classic magic pool. Yeah, it's not necessarily a benefit. It can also be a threat. Uh, you know, one, um, even the old-school DM guide mentions magical pools. Uh, but it also mentioned in its, you know, appendix on that subject that there were, you know, multiple possibilities, that it could be perfectly beneficial, or conversely, based on a die roll at random, it could be bad news incarnate. Everybody takes, you know, X amount of damage or uh, loses stat points instead of gaining from them. And if you run into both types, which way do you turn? I mean, do you just walk away entirely? Uh, mm -hmm. Because, yeah, well, I, look, uh, we were in that one dungeon, and, like, I gained two points of strength, uh, yeah, which is how I got to, you know, 18 strength as a rogue. But that last one, I lost four points of charisma. So. And got your gender changed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, yeah, that are transported to a, another plane with no equipment. Mm. Um, there's no telling what can happen. So... Those kinds of extra weird uh, magical traps that they have the allure, and they should legitimately have the allure of gain, uh, which makes people yeah. volunteer for them as opposed to the simple things like, uh, oh, arrow traps, you know, triggered that fire a poisoned arrow down a hallway. I mean, that's, that's old-fashioned, standard, anticipated traps, right. the kind of thing you expect. Yeah, you expect to see a pit trap with spikes at the bottom. Look down the pit, you see something glinting. It could be jewel-encrusted spikes, or it could be a pile of jewels. What do you do? Well, what kind of jackass puts jewel-encrusted spikes in his dungeon? Answer, this DM. That's right. Jewel-encrusted spikes. Now, you see the glitter of coinage down there. Yeah, that's because the skeletons of the last three guys who fell down that pit and died on those spikes had some coins on them at the time. And yep. they, yeah, it's a spilled purse of goodies, uh, but making players exhaust resources uh, is the benefit 
of trapping places, also making them check and recheck. Uh, as Randy perfectly mentioned, it absorbs time. Uh, it gives you more time for more random encounter checks, or for, if, for instance, timing is a, an issue. Uh, they're uh, cashing in some of their precious time in order to avoid damage. Those torches aren't going to last forever, guys. Yeah, you, you've only got a half a dozen of them, and this dungeon delve was only supposed to take six hours. Uh, you know, you're going to be standing in total darkness by hour six. Yep. And if you've only made it through the fourth chamber after tearing everything apart, uh, you have spent precious time, and you're pretty much going to have the dwarf or the elf leading you on a rope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Now, outdoor versus indoor. Oh, yeah. There is definitely a lot of outdoor traps, and typically the snares and pits and small uh, uh, game traps, game lines and things like that, they go along with typical outdoor traps are there, but also traps of a lease or a lesser variety that are used in outdoor encounters are primarily that of nature itself, like a quagmire or bog, quicksand. Uh, true, it's the natural version of a trap. There's no intent behind it. It is simply a terrain condition, an unusually slippery slope, or uh, a mountainside that is prone to avalanche and crumble. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, those are also valid traps. In addition to snares and pits, uh, degree of complexity, uh, that's a thing that is contingent on the type of setting. Yeah, uh, you're not going to find many swinging pendulum traps outside. However, you might find a deadfall that's been lured up, uh, rigged up by some deranged monster or uh, woodland type of dweller where there's a big log that crashes in and you know crushes you while you're in the pit. Oh yeah, I mean if you're dealing with intelligent humanoids uh, uh, with a degree of sophistication, hobgoblins uh, you know, would say for instance guard the, uh, the valley entrance to their encampment with a few pitfalls, snares, and traps. Uh, you know, deadfall trees that are rigged to crash down. Uh, or you know, even uh, simpler creatures could use uh, alarm, you know, some bones and things like yeah, that to rattles. rattle away if your feet cross over that wire, uh, or just a piece of rope. So now, while we're dealing with types of monsters, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the humble kobold with his one to four hit points. <laughs> but boy, do they like their traps. Now, they're pretty much easy traps as far as, like, nets small snares and pits, as well as uh, the sharpened spikes placed under a throw of rushes and reeds woven together that seem like some type of mat. They use simple things like that, but they also hurl flaming oil, and they basically make a nuisance of themselves because, well, they're really weak, but they are good workers. Yeah, and they know they're weak is the, the big point, is that they know that to even the odds, they have to whittle you down with sneakiness. So, you know, uh, an example would be a lengthy downward passage where, like, you kind of have to watch your step as you're working your way downwards, 50 feet. Uh, you get about 10 feet down when all of a sudden, oh, well, you know, you didn't check out all those passageways behind you. Uh, out comes Team Kobold 
with an entire vat of oil, which they then tip over right down the hall. And, and dropping that on top of you. You know, uh, now everybody's slipping and sliding uh, and frantically trying to keep hold of their footing when one of the clever little wags hucks a lit torch your way. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's just hallway hellscape and, uh, you know, nobody's happy. Oh, yeah, well, and that's the point of traps is that it makes monsters. A normal encounter with maybe eight kobolds would be just ho-hum, an exercise, and dice rolling. <laughs> now it's suddenly you're on fire, you're slipping down a slope, and the kobolds are hucking torches and more flaming oil at you. Yeah, the classic uh, Dirty DM's tricks, and it's parcel of your toolbox. It should always be included, and you should always be ready to spring something on players when they seem to least expect it. And that's the beauty of traps, is adjudicating them, too, can be a pain for some DMs. And oh, I yeah. think even with new games with uh, some thieves and rogues have trap sense and all that, that works fine, but you have to be very close to them, which means most of the time you're going to be in danger of triggering them. And unless players are specifically saying they're looking for them, eh, don't give them the benefit of the doubt, but always do this. Give them a saving throw. Nothing else. Yeah. Uh, you know, their reaction check or, you know, reflex test or saving throw, whatever the system calls for, they're certainly entitled to try to jump out of the way uh, or grab a hold of something at the last moment. Uh, that does make for epic gameplay, and it gives them a sense of being in control of their own situation in an extremely chaotic world. Uh, and I'm not saying deprive people of that. However... When the unwary warrior with no trap sense skill says, you know, like, hey, I see that thing down at the end of the hallway waving its sword. I charge down blindly. Uh, you know, well, all right, they may not put it that way, but, like, I charge. Uh, that is your hue and cry right there. If you have prepared that encounter to lure somebody into overreacting too quickly, that is the moment that a trap is most beautiful. Yep. Uh, like, oh yeah, the guy wearing the plate mail with the, you know, six hit dice, who's the front man who absorbs damage for the party, just went down a pit trap because he didn't even bother to check, uh, and he was in a terrible hurry. Uh, that guy is 20 feet below you right now, and you've still got a hallway full of monsters who are looking to kick you in the butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful moment for a DM to watch that unfold, because you watch people who are not geared for premium combat suddenly scramble, adapt, adjust, and make do. Uh, that kind of creativity is really fun to inspire in people. And I, I, I put it in that friendliest terms, but uh, to put it in a more DM-like fashion, yes, yes, watching them struggle with mm. dirt and beer. Yeah, it, that, okay, there is a little bit of DM sadism in there. Uh, but you wouldn't be if you didn't have a little streak of sadism. Yeah, if you didn't take a little bit of glee in, in seeing people, you know, have to work their way around obstacles, uh, then DMing is almost a futile task. Yeah. Well, you, you can go too far with it, but we all know the examples of that. If you just want to run and kill player characters, it's pretty easy. Famos Fantasy and uh, Simulation Gaming have farm real estate for sale <laughs> at a very reasonable price. Even <laughs> cheap. <laughs> Yeah, if uh, if your characters wind up six feet under, I mean, that's bad news uh, for the players. But I do try to emphasize matching the degree of trap 
to the degree, or to the level of your players. I mean, their degree of uh, cunning and ability, uh, not to mention hit points, is a totally worthy means by which to judge what you should throw at them. Because uh, that certain death, 200-foot uh, pitfall, is a little rough on your first levelers. That, you know, that is not, at that point, cunning DMing, you know. But uh, if you've got some first levelers and they, you know, fall 10 feet and, you know, they lost most of their hit points, uh, yeah, somebody's going to burn a spell trying to get well enough for that next encounter. Right. And that makes people, you know, they think twice, uh, they gauge their circumstances, and they start playing smart. So I, I think of it as both encouraging and fun. Yeah, but also, um, you know, mechanical traps and magical traps. Um, some people have a degree of how much technology, so to speak, is available in the campaign, like our arcing scythe blades or piston-armed gears capable of driving these strange mechanisms really existent. And, you know, you have to answer that question with a certain amount of, that you treat with magic, a certain amount of just, well, that's kind of the thing that goes on. I usually, and I know that this is a complete cop-out, I entirely own it with no shame. Right. Uh, I hand it off to, you know, well, clearly they hired a gnomish or dwarvish trapsmith. Uh, somebody expert in stonework and metalcraft. Uh, because this is not simple workmanship. And I do make that point periodically to people about the workmanship of the place they're in. And it's, you know, not to... Ah, I'm going to use the term open the kimono again. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Avert your eyes, folks. Yeah, I, opening the kimono for a moment, which I, I guess is the point of the podcast. Uh, just let the secrets out. Uh, it's one of my warning signs to players. It's one of the little tiny verbal cues that I place. I'm like, wow, that looks like some fine dwarven craftsmanship on those walls. Uh, right. You know, that, that looks like this place has been expertly sculpted and, Ah, that is their warning that the degree of complexity for the average trap just went up. Uh, and my players have come to know it, but uh, sooner or later, if you use that little verbal cue, they will come to you. Know, your players will come to know it too. Yeah, that's the other thing about traps is, you know, even though if you don't use uh, find remove traps skills or let perception checks or spot checks go through. Always give a verbal cue of some type, like crushed skulls, uh, scuffed marks on the floor, or strange indentations on the walls. Or, uh, say for instance, uh, all of a sudden the cavern floor is lined with reeds and palm fronds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe you want to poke that with a stick first. You know, just jab it with your spear a little bit before treading confidently upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those... That's why you have a 10-foot pole. Uh, that is why that was included originally in, you know, classic equipment lists. Is that, <laughs> uh, because you do want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Because you mm -hmm. really don't want to touch it without it. Yep. <laughs> so you got to make sure that when you have traps put up, that they're, even if you're not using the traditional game mechanics, they give some type of warning that it's going to happen. And if they don't take those verbal cues or visual... Uh, <laughs> little clever uh, addendums that you've slipped in there, then, yeah, let it fall where it may. But they'll learn quick enough what is useful and what is simply um, a red herring here and there. The biggest thing is making sure that your traps are 
approachable, of course, luring them in, that's the big one, <laughs> but also having a way to escape from. Because yeah. nobody just likes, oh, your character died. How? Oh, it seems like the ceiling fell on him. <laughs> really? Yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, I, I am not an auto-death fan. Uh, I, I do prefer that, you know, like, if the damage is scaled to the party and they have crashed and burned three or four times, just came out of a nasty fight, and that's the moment you hit a trap, hey, the dice fall where they choose. That's, you know, in the lap of chance. But instantaneous, unavoidable death, uh, that is not lightly to be played. That is, that is something for the, the most dangerous of adventures and for the most experienced of players. Uh, exercise enormous judgment uh, yeah. in deciding to employ a trap of that nature. Sir, no save? Yeah, oh boy, you're going to have some umbrage from your players on that one. Um, I know a good old go-to was Grim Tooth's Traps uh, from Flying Buffalo, and uh, it's recently been released in uh, several different uh, versions. Oh, they got a new one out. Oh huh? yeah, great big book. I got the classic. Yeah, but uh, Grimtooth has a number of traps, and many of them are unavoidable. But the point was is that you don't want to make a trap too lethal, because unless your goal was to kill off player characters and just basically, oh, I didn't like your paladin bill, so goodbye. As Randy mentioned earlier, uh, some of the best traps are non-lethal. Uh, they simply diminish or disadvantage the players. Uh, by way of example, poisons that do not kill, but that rob players of strength. Uh, mm -hmm. Multiple exposures can have your, you know, uh, rogue uh, or fighter, yeah, should they fail their saving throws, multiple exposures could leave them weak as a kitten in the middle of a very dangerous dungeon. Uh, with Like, now they're facing, like, a minus two penalty to any damage they do and a penalty to hit. And, uh, you know, well, melee weapons are not looking like my friend right now. You know, that that kind of scenario is equally taxing to players as... Oops, poison needle. Throw gnomes! No. Oh. Uh. Uh, instantaneous death is not the end-all and be-all of a trap. It can be all kinds of wonderful inconveniences and uh, challenges, like placing a trap that strips a player character of a very specific statistic, uh, or greatly diminishes it, right before a challenge of some kind that tests that specific ability score. Uh, you know, having somebody who is uh, kitten weak or clumsy as an ox uh, right before strength or dexterity checks. I, all right, once again, we're back to the sadism thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it always goes back. Traps are where really your sadism comes out. And, you know, it is literally your choice when to include them. And sometimes you can pull back on them too. But always feel that it's never necessary to kill players through traps, but always make traps a part of your game, no matter how you approach it. Now, magical traps are the easiest to assume that exist in the game because, well, there's lots of spells laying around, but mechanical traps, not so much so. Some people have different var varieties of them. To me, I really don't care if a bunch of scything blades or suddenly a uh, launch saw blade just flies through the entire corridor and waste level. I'm not going to question it too much, and neither should your players after a while. I mean, after all, scientific, magical, pseudo-mystery uh, mumbo-jumbo exists quite a bit throughout fantasy literature, and so it's easy to assume that gnomes, dwarves, and other creatures have been able to harness this power 
and that level of clever sadism. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I always use the example of the Antikytheros device, which, you know, is uh, a, an example of clockwork-style gears uh, yep. fully functioning in, you know, uh, B.C. times, you know, just uh, ancient Greek and or Roman, you know, esque things. There were things of complexity, uh, literally a couple of thousand years ago. So it was not entirely a world without any technology of any kind. Uh, you can exercise a little uh, alternative judgment, so to speak, and include things in your game that are technically technologically unlikely, uh, but I, I think the nice, you know, bolt hole to fall back on is that limit them to a very specific group of people and to create a level of expense. Like, yeah, I had to import, uh, you know, six gnomish engineers and pay them 20,000 gold pieces to build this over a period of months. So you're not going to be able to buy this at the corner store, champ. Yep. Uh, that's a nice way to backguard it. Yeah, but also, you know, the classics always work the best. Pits. Oh, I love pits. Yeah. It, it's... Pits build monsters. Oh, boy. Bone snappers. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. It was going to come back to that sooner or later. Yeah, two bone snappers in a pit. Uh, and the dice were incredibly cruel that day. And I, I may have seriously misgaged how much damage two of them could dole out in just a few rounds. Because seriously, they got every single hit. And they... they Wow, I mean, it was you, like I was wearing a suit made out of bacon. Yeah, I'm. It just, it was not his day. Oh. <laughs> they had such low hit dice. As a DM, I thought, you know, he's really only got to deliver about two hits to each of these creatures, and they're both dead. Oh. Where did I misgage? That they have three attacks per round, and their bite attack has superb damage in first edition. So. Uh, the bone snappers were doling out harm like it was no tomorrow. They were just handing out, you know, oh boy. and they were handing out hit point hit points worth of wounds like puppy stickers. And I thought it was just because I owed you a couple bucks, man. Jeez. <laughs> but you know, but no, we, we that's get. the adjudication thing that we're talking about is that you have to measure the potential harm versus the relative strength and level of the players, and you know, notably uh, Pathfinder and Fifth Edition. Uh, take pains to mention how to adjudicate this uh, and to teach newly arriving DMs how to exercise that kind of judgment and rate it per, you know, the challenge rating type styles Yeah, uh, is, I think, a huge improvement in gaming for new arrivals. It's not so much needed for people who have been doing it a long time. You can exercise your own judgment and probably nail it 99% of the time. But for that new player, that is just a terrific tool. Challenge right. ratings are a win. Yeah, so we covered a little bit of mostly, the, more or less we walked around the subject of mechanical traps and the classic ones. And uh, we talked about the gas traps and things like that. Oh. oh, having different effects and things like that. Oh, yes. Uh, gases and magic pools. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, mysterious fumes that have filled the hallway that could be flammable or... Uh, could be in a ingestible poison, uh, or they could just be incredibly eye stinging and inconvenient. Like, yeah, you got to spend the next six minutes, uh, you know, with your eyes watering, only able to see five feet in front of you. And you enter out, you come out of that hallway, and boom, combat starts. Everybody's at a disadvantage. Right. Enormous fun, but it 
didn't kill everybody. Also, you uh, mentioned a trap uh, about natural gas, and suddenly, why is my torch burning blue? <laughs> Whoops! Yes. Boom! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is one I should have I should have mentioned before, and it's an old standby, which is it's the uh, combo attack, where you have a subtle trap that does not initially present its danger. Uh, if their your party is fairly advanced and they use magic light instead of torches, uh, and in chamber, you know they hear a hissing sound. Uh, and it smells like rotten eggs. Uh, and at that moment, green slime uh, drops from the ceiling. Oh. Now, uh, typical green slime harmed by fire. And so, you know, the gut-level instinct is to go for the weapon that hurts it most. Uh, let's get some flaming oil on that thing, or cast a spell that will... Burning hands, stack! <laughs> yeah. And at that moment... Uh, depending on the number of rounds it's been since the hissing sound began and the place started smelling like, uh, you know, something... Uh, like an old loaf of Limburger cheese left in a sock in the sun. Oh, ow. Well, enough rounds of that, and boom, that chamber is going up. Kablooey! Uh, <laughs> Adventure parts all over the place. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, it is a... it. Uh, let's be honest, it's kind of a DM's douche move, but... It's also what we do. It's uh, part of our job. The two-part or even a several-part trap, uh, you know, taking advantage of old Sherlock Holmes stuff, uh, you can create that three-part poison that, uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, it was only the combination of drinking the wine, uh, inhaling the fumes from the candles, and... Uh, the contact poison on the sheets of the bed later that night uh, that triggers the, you know, yeah. Such douchery. Exactly. It is it is foul uh, play by a DM to use these things. But those are the challenges you throw at higher level characters who are more, you know, more experienced, more cunning, and more wary and have a lot of hit points that you got to shake them down for before they feel challenged. Yep. So that guy with six hit points is pretty upset if he's lost four of them. But that guy with 120, uh, they're not really sweating until those hit points are more than half gone. All right. So, you know, exercise your own discretion. Yeah, make sure that the big part of traps is to break up some of the monotony, add a little bit of tension and uncertainty into every game that you run. And you'll be doing the justice to the old school sadistic <laughs> trap master in all of us. <laughs> we'll all smile at you. They don't have to all be lethal, but they should always be a detriment. And occasionally those magic pools do give out good items or rewards, so yeah, I'll let that happen as well. They're and sometimes a gas can actually give you haste. Yeah, hey, you know? Yeah, you don't know. I mean, you know, throw them off their game by taunting them with kindness, because it's the last thing they'll we expect. Don't expect. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But I think we've revealed enough of our evil natures that uh, it could be worthy of a war crimes tribunal if they held it for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think we'd be guilty. I'm I'm going to be busted for exposing myself by opening the kimono oh, and doing jumping jacks. Oh, oh. <laughs> that image, that image just <laughs> sticks with you. <laughs> but we've subjected you to it up, and again, I think that'll do it for us. 
Unless you have anything you want to add? No, I think we hit the big notes. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Yeah, we're going to go with a little longer format, so hopefully you enjoyed. If you don't, well, too bad you had to endure it, but uh, let us know in the comment section. And, of course, you can reach us in all our usual haunts on Facebook at The Dice Are Screaming. At, uh, and, of course, at Twitter at our usual haunts uh, where I can be found as Magi Vox. And, and Death Hand Gaming, that's D-E-T-H-A-N-D Gaming. All right. Well, uh, until Friday, may, may the, the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. We're out.